This morning we are beginning a brand new sermon series in John's first letter, 1 John. As you are turning there, and before we get started, there are just a couple of things that I want to put in front of you. Uh, A little housekeeping for our church family. First of all, uh, the next three weeks, this Sunday included, April 24th, 4th, May 1st, and May 8th, these are our opportunities to nominate deacons that will begin serving next year. For those of you that are unfamiliar with the leadership structure in our church, the leadership structure in the early church, the office of deacon, it can be traced all the way back to the days immediately following Christ's death and resurrection, Acts chapter 6. We continue that thread today. The deacons here at the church at Lachlan Springs, they are in every sense of the word, the model of servant leadership. Um, our deacons, maybe most visibly, you'll see them in this place on Sunday mornings. They're often the ones that are collecting the tithes and offerings. They would be the ones that would prepare and administer the elements of communion when we celebrate communion together. It goes so much further than that. Our deacons are um, entering into homes and hospital rooms when necessary. They're gathering together regularly to pray. They're doing the mundane tasks of moving chairs around and making coffee, which I know many of you... Wyatt or not, do not think that task is so mundane. They are the hands and the feet and the backbone of this congregation, the way we serve and love one another, and the way we serve our community. So my charge to you this morning, prayerfully consider who you believe would be able to carry the burden and the joy of being a deacon for this church body. You can nominate people today. There's a landing page on the Brentwood Baptist website. I believe it's brentwoodbaptist.com backslash deacons. Look at that. Um, The next couple of weeks, we'll have paper ballots as well. It's something that I just want you to be prayerfully considering over these next couple of weeks. Finally, this Saturday, April the 30th, in the year of our Lord, 2022, we will be having a day of service Loving on and serving our friends over at Warner Arts Elementary, about 10 blocks that direction. Guys, it is going to be a great opportunity to love and be loved by uh, and to serve the students, the families, the faculty, and the staff at Warner Arts Elementary. I would encourage you to be there. It really is a joyous experience. It's going to be in East Park, directly in front of the school. If you've got any questions about that, you can find me. You can email Joanna Van, reach out to her. We'll get all the details that you need. I'm looking forward to seeing you on Saturday. All right. My confession to you this morning is um, I, I haven't been sleeping well this week. That's, that's a thing. That's just a real thing. I, I think it's a season that most of us go through. Our sleep patterns tend to ebb and flow. Oftentimes when we find ourselves in the quiet of our bedroom, in the stillness of the night as everything during the day fades away, that's when our r- mind gets kind of ramped up. Some of these questions begin to haunt us. They keep us up at night. Some of the real profound questions. You know, is cereal soup? Um, are, are boneless wings chicken nuggets in disguise? Um, does a fish know it's swimming? Like, these are things that I guarantee you, my daughter almost every morning will, will begin to ask me. This is something I was thinking about all night, and I've got to tell her, baby, I don't have, I don't have answers to that. There's some more pressing needs that keep us up at night. Did, did I close the garage door? 
Did I leave the oven on? Then they're the scary ones. Am I going to be able to pay my mortgage this month? Am I in trouble at work? And then there are the downright terrifying questions. What if I'm wrong? Is, is my faith even real? Does any of this matter? How do I know? I grew up in church pews that look a lot like these. Grew up the son of a minister. I walked the aisle when I was seven. I will never forget sitting down in Dr. Peter McLeod's office. He asked me all the questions about the plan of salvation. He drew that picture on the whiteboard of the cross over the little gap. I had every single answer because I had been in Sunday school my whole life. I was baptized shortly thereafter. I spent every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night in the church building. My best friends were my church friends. My social life was my church life. My childhood, I probably did some things I shouldn't have, but the reality is I was a pretty good kid. And then you get to college, and you begin to ask yourself, Did I ever have an option? Have I ever really even thought about this? Is this my faith or is this my father's faith? And so I went to my dad and I asked, what what do I do here, dad? And I will never forget him looking at me and saying, Hannah, I need you to know God doesn't have any grandchildren. It's your job to go figure this out on your own. Thus began me walking my own personal faith journey in earnest, asking all of those questions. I grew up with all of this. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's right but is pretty sure enough. Do you guys remember that Rocket Mortgage commercial? I think it was a Super Bowl commercial. Certain is better. Like nobody puts on a backpack about to jump out of an airplane and says, I'm pretty sure this has a parachute in it. Certain is better. If that's the case with a parachute, how much more so? With our eternal fate. Certain is better. And with that phrase ringing in our ears, I would love for us to stand together as we read from God's Word, 1 John chapter 5, beginning in verse 11. The Lord, through the hand of John, writes, and this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. This life is in His Son. The one who has the Son has life. The one who does not have the Son of God does not have life. I've written these things to you 
who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Lord, we hold in our hands the living, breathing word of the living, breathing God. Do not ever let us take that for granted. We humbly ask now, speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Amen. Y'all can be seated. So for the past several months, since the beginning of 2022, we've been walking together through John's Gospel. Written by the Apostle John, one of the closest friends and followers, one of the inner circle of Jesus. One of the great gifts that John gave us in that gospel is he told us exactly why he wrote it. The very last verse of his gospel says, Jesus did so many things, if I wrote them all down, the world couldn't contain the volumes. But in John chapter 20, John says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So John wrote his gospel specifically choosing... What he included in that gospel, knowing he couldn't write it all down, he, he chose those works and those miracles and those words and those stories so that those that had not yet met Jesus might recognize him as the Messiah, as the chosen one, as the Savior, may believe and by believing may have eternal life. John's first letter, 1 John, written for a slightly different reason. As we saw there in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, John says, I wrote these things down so that those of you that already believe, those of you that already self-identify as Christ followers, might know that you know that you know that you have eternal life. And that word no that he uses in the, in the original Greek, it, it means certainty. Absolute, total, utter knowledge. Beyond a shadow of a doubt. If I were to let go of this Bible, what would happen? Every single one of you knows, if I let go of this Bible, it will fall to the ground. You may not be able to explain the, uh, the force of gravity. You may not be able to explain the science behind it. You may not be able to explain why all of that happens. But despite the fact that you may not be able to articulate what is going on, you know that you know that you know that this Bible will hit the ground if I let it go. That's the word John uses in 1 John chapter 5. I wrote this letter so those of you that believe might know, even if you can't explain it all, you might know that you have eternal life. You see, John was writing this letter 
to churches in and around the city of Ephesus. He had spent a great deal of time there later in his life, ministering and teaching in that area. He wrote the book of Revelation to the same churches. This letter was written probably roughly around the same time, a little bit after his gospel. We're talking 50 or 60 years post-crucifixion, resurrection. Which in the grand scheme of things is not that long, but even in those short 50 years, many false gospels and false doctrines has, had already begun to bubble up to the surface. Including in these churches in and around Ephesus that he was writing to. One of, one of the major ones was various forms of Gnosticism. And, and the Gnostics would say different things about Jesus Usually some variation uh, of the idea that maybe Jesus was a spiritual being. He didn't actually come in the flesh. He came in spirit. So coming in spirit, he didn't actually die. Or maybe Jesus, he was a man. But the spirit of God entered into him at his baptism, left at the crucifixion. So these stories of uh, a bodily resurrection, they don't make any sense. None of that was real. And John writes this letter to remind these people of the truth, the truth that they have known. John says over and over again, sisters and brothers, I was there. I walked with Jesus. I heard what he said. I saw what he did. I was at the foot of the cross when he died. On that next Sunday morning, I saw the tomb. It was empty. Later that day, I was standing with a risen, living Jesus Christ in a locked room where I had been cowering for two days. I have seen it. It is Real, you must remember the truth that you know. Over the next six weeks, we are going to retrace John's letter, beginning at the end, beginning today in chapter five, beginning with his ultimate purpose, which is certainty. In this passage that we read this morning, chapter 5, verses 11 through 13, what John says is, those who have the Son have life. Belief in Jesus equals eternal life. That's it. That's the whole thing. No ifs, ands, or buts. No additions or subtractions. Belief equals eternal life. Now there's a catch. There's always a catch, right? Belief in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, equals eternal life. Belief in the Jesus, not belief in a Jesus. Belief in the Jesus, not belief in some version of Jesus that, that someone has told you about. Some version of Jesus that you've kind of concocted on your own. Some version of Jesus that makes you feel better. No, belief in the Jesus Christ. 100% man. 
meaning he experienced every temptation, every emotion that you have experienced. He walked in that imperfection. Also 100% divine. God in flesh. The invisible creator of the planet that revealed himself in terms that we could all understand. In, in the terms of a person, of a human, 100% man, 100% divine, and 100% savior. The one that came and paid the price that we couldn't pay. The one that came and paid our ransom so that we could be in the presence of our creator for all of eternity. Belief in that Jesus, belief in the Jesus, John tells us, equals eternal life. But that also begs the question, what is eternal life? Like when I use that phrase... Most of us immediately conjure images of, of heaven in our head. You know, streets of gold and pearly gates and, and tiny winged babies with their little bitty harps sitting on clouds. Some of that probably truer than other parts of it. Heaven is absolutely real. The images we have of it are mere facsimiles of what it might be. I cannot tell you what it is like to experience heaven. I cannot tell you what it looks like. If you meet someone that describes heaven in any sort of great concrete detail, I would view that with an incredible amount of healthy cynicism. Because that person does not have a high enough view of the majesty that we will one day all experience. It is something we cannot wrap our heads around. It is something our finite minds cannot understand. It is something our finite language cannot even begin to describe. It is real. I have no idea what it looks like, what it is to experience it. It is not eternal life. Eternal life will be experienced in heaven. Heaven is not eternal life. John tells us in this very letter. Eternal life was, was with the Father, was with God in the beginning. Before time even existed. It is, after all, eternal, right? It was revealed to us in Jesus Christ. Jesus took, took on that mantle himself. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way and the truth and the life. Eternal life was revealed to us through Jesus Christ. And Jesus even goes on to tell us exactly what it is like to experience eternal life today. In John chapter 17, we are mere moments before Jesus is to be betrayed by one of his closest friends arrested, tortured, executed. Even in those final moments, he's taking the time to pray over his friends. And in the 17th chapter of John, beginning in verse 1, Jesus spoke these things. 
looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so that the Son may glorify you. Since you gave him authority over all flesh so that he may give eternal life to everyone you have given him. Verse 3. This is eternal life. That they may know you, the only true God. And the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. What is eternal life? It is existing in the presence of, communing with, abiding in your Creator. It is literally what you were designed for. It is what your heart and your soul long for. Communing for all eternity with the lover and the creator of your souls. Jesus tells us as we experience eternal life, our spiritual thirst is ultimately satisfied. That's John chapter 4, right? Living waters. When you drink of the living water, your spiritual thirst will be satisfied for all eternity. Those things that you long for, those things that you strive for, that thing that's missing inside you, it's satisfied forever. There in the upper room, in the moments before he was betrayed, Jesus says when you experience eternal life, you receive God's peace, not peace that that the world offers you, but real, eternal, soul peace, underlying peace that's not based on circumstances, therefore can't be changed by circumstances. Peace that even when when you can't feel it in your flesh, you know it in your spirit. That is eternal life. When does eternal life begin? It begins now. The good news is eternal life doesn't start at your funeral. Being in the presence, communing with your creator begins today. As John writes, eternal life, the life, it was with God in the beginning before time even existed because it's eternal, right? It doesn't just start But the moment, the moment that we place our belief in the Jesus Christ, in the Savior, we get to enter into that eternal life at that moment. Now, it's not perfected on this side of heaven. That's Romans chapter 8, right? All of creation, including comma, but not limited to comma, me, groans for complete restoration, recognizes. It's not supposed to be like this. The eternal life I'm experiencing now is just a taste of the glory that I will someday know. But make no mistakes, it has already begun. Years ago, I had the incredible privilege of sitting at the feet of Dr. Tom Wolfe 
Uh, he was an incredible missionary, still is, um, an incredible teacher and an expert in worldviews, particularly global religious worldviews. One of the things that Dr. Wolf would always talk about is, is the, the one thing that separates Christianity from other religious worldviews is where you place the dot. And, and the way he would describe the dot, when he talked about the dot, what he was talking about is whatever the thing is that religion promises. Total enlightenment. Nirvana. Enough karma to be reincarnated in a caste above where you are right now. Having your own planet. Whatever the thing is. Every other religion puts the dot at the end. Your life is a line leading toward that dot. And you walk that line with fingers crossed. I hope I've done enough. I hope I've, I've prayed enough. I, I hope that I've eaten the right things or not eaten the wrong things. I hope I have served. I hope I have given. I hope I have been forgiven. We'll just have to wait and see. There's a line and a dot. And you just hope someday you reach that dot. Christianity is the only one that the dot comes at the beginning. Everything that is promised is already received. The line is then lived out from the gift of eternal life that we have already been granted. It's not a line and a dot. It's a dot and a line. And sisters and brothers, this morning I can tell you, it's real and it has begun and you can know it. We hate to admit the fact that there are things we just don't know. In buildings like this, in settings like this, we really hate to admit that there are things in this book we don't know. I do not have all the answers. There are things I study and desperately pray over that absolutely elude me. There are way more shades of gray than most of us care to admit. When I begun my faith journey in earnest, when I took ownership of my own journey, I desperately needed to answer Every one of those questions. So many of us today that are walking through this process of deconstruction are doing the same thing. I've got questions. I have to have a concrete answer. If I don't have a concrete answer, what does that mean? As I've continued in my journey, as I have grown and matured, and make no mistake, I've got a lot of growing maturing left to do. But as I have grown and matured, I've begun to celebrate the mystery and majesty of my creator. 
the mystery and unknowability of God because it is evidence that he is God and I am not. And that is something I celebrate every single day because I would be terrible. And if I could figure it all out, if it was a math equation, what type of God would he be? Now, the flip side of that understanding that we're never going to have every answer is some of us take that knowledge, some of us take that mystery, some of us take some of those shades of gray as an excuse to throw up of our hands and say, what's the point? If I can't know it, if I can't have certainty, what is the point? You can. There are things we can know. There are things that you know. John says, I've seen it. And I'm telling you. I can stand before you today and say, I have experienced it and it is real. Even those of us that have never or will never see Christ in the flesh can no. First John chapter 5, verse 13, God promises certainty. God promises that we can know that we have eternal life. Can you imagine the burden that lifts? Can you imagine the lightness of being that that brings when you flip to the end of the book and you read the last page and you know how it ends? The confidence and the peace that comes with absolute certainty in your salvation. There are all kinds of litmus tests and practical application in this letter. And over the next six weeks, we're going to walk through each one of them. But this morning, I need to know that I know that I know that you have heard how you might enter into eternal life. Every single one of us, every human that has ever existed, has a couple of things in common. One, we know it's not supposed to be like this. We know that there is something more. Two, we can't fix it ourselves. There is a gap between us and our creator. And I don't care who you are. I don't care what you do. I don't care how much you give. You cannot bridge that gap. A price had to be paid. Jesus Christ, 100% man, 100% God, paid that price for us. Placing your faith in that 
sacrifice, allowing yourself to be covered by his righteousness, believing in the Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, equals eternal life. That's it. That's the gospel. And this morning, you can know. Belief equals eternal life. And it's that eternal life that we celebrate as a church family. Would you pray with me? Lord, this morning, I don't have all the answers. This morning, I stand in this place uncertain of many things. Tomorrow, I will do the same. But today, we celebrate that we have certainty in your Son. Access to eternal life in the person of Jesus Christ. It's my desperate prayer that if there is someone in this place that does not yet know him, fill their heart with a longing to know and commune with and be in the presence of their creator for all of eternity. And let them know through the sacrifice of Jesus they may have that today and forever. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.